Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of The Why Behind the What. My name is Nathan Elbert. I'll be your host and I am incredibly excited to start this journey with all of you, all eight of you listening. That's my guess. Maybe there's more, maybe less. I don't know. Uh, but I'm glad you're here. A little bit about me before we get started. Perhaps some of you don't know much about me. My name is Nathan. I'm a Chicago and turned Rhode Islander. I'm a professional actor turned preacher and pastor. I am a reluctant blogger that turned into an author. I'm a single guy turned a married man and a parent. My son and wife are napping right now in the other room. I'm an extroverted contemplative. I'm a storyteller. I seek to be a minimalist. And now I'm a podcast host of The Why Behind the What. I am super excited and hope you are as well. Uh, Before we get into the podcast today, though, I want to give you an update about my book. Uh, Some of you may know about this. Some of you may know bits and pieces of it. Uh, My book is called Embracing Love, My Journey to Hugging a Man in His Underwear. It'll be available for purchase in about uh, four to six weeks. Uh, You'll be able to get that book online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. There's an ebook version, paperback version, uh, anywhere else books are sold. Uh, The foreword is by Andrew Marin, and I'm so thankful for his words in there, and it really sets a good tone for the whole book. Uh, It comes from a viral blog post I wrote back in 2010 called I Hugged a Man in His Underwear. And perhaps you've seen that blog, or perhaps you've seen the picture. Uh, It's been viewed uh, millions of times. Uh, News organizations like BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, BBC have uh, publicized that. Bloggers like Rachel Held Evans and countless others have written about it. And celebrities like Kristen Chenoweth, Lance Bass, um, Alyssa Milano, uh, they've all shared it as well. The blog uh, is the story of how a group of us uh, sought to be an alternative Christian voice at the Chicago Gay Pride Parade back in 2010. And unlike uh, the other Christian groups that were often behind police barricades shouting hate and vulgarities, uh, we made signs that, and, and t-shirts that said things like, I'm sorry, uh, sorry for the way Christians have treated you, sorry that churches shun you, God loves and dignifies all people. And my favorite, I used to be a Bible-banging homophobe. Sorry. Uh, And so the book is basically a combination of that blog, uh, my journey as a musical theater actor turned pastor, uh, my seminary thesis on the biblical interpretations of homosexuality from both a traditional and a more progressive viewpoint, stories and history of the LGBT community, and then practical and pastoral advice for Christians and ministry leaders about how we can create church communities that are united and that love and that welcome all people. There are probably two reasons I wrote the book. Uh, The first is unity. I think we've become incredibly divided in especially the Christian church community on this topic. There are those who hold traditional viewpoints that think more progressive viewpoints are heretics or dismissing the truth. Then there's progressives who think that traditional viewpoints are regressive and bigoted. And then we debate until we're blue in the face and we don't want to be around one another. And then almost every book that's out there that I've read uh, on this subject tries to get the reader to change his or her stance on the subject. And so I'm not trying to do that in this book. I do lay out the opposing viewpoints, but my challenge is that you would draw your own conclusions. And also, I'm challenging all readers to really pursue unity. What does it mean to be uh, unified together? It doesn't mean unanimity, but it does mean seeing each other as the same body, the same family, the same community, uh, seeing one another as humans first and foremost. And so I'm arguing that our ecclesial unity must trump our theological differences. 
The second reason I wrote the book is because of relationships. I'm challenging readers to be in relationships with people, not only LGBTQ individuals, but people with different theological viewpoints and opinions. Um, for when you don't know people, now there's this rabbi who says this, when you don't know people, it's easy to demonize and dehumanize them. But when you do know them, and when you're in relationship with them, it's much harder to do so. And so relationships change everything. And this is one of the reasons why I wrote this book. It's been an interesting journey to publish it. It's been a long time. Uh, just recently, actually, my initial publisher, uh, he shut down his company uh, right at the moment when the book was about to be released. And so now I am uh, was frantically trying to find a new publisher, and uh, currently I'm working with a new and really exciting publishing company called Read the Spirit Books. Uh, they have quite literally rescued me, uh, and I'm really excited they, they're willing to publish this book. They've also published David Gushy's Changing Our Mind. Uh, if you know that book, it's on the same subject. He also endorsed my book. And then Ken Wilson's Letter to My Congregation. Uh, both of those I would recommend uh, if you're interested in the topic. So stay tuned. Get your copy when it's out. In the coming weeks, I'm going to be doing a few podcasts specifically about the book. I'm going to interview people that I reference in it. I'm going to take any questions you, any of my eight it listeners might have about the book as well. And then we'll kind of go through the book uh, in, a, in a handful of episodes. So now, let's get to this podcast, the why behind the what. Uh, in the last few weeks, I have been listening to a lot of podcasts, and I've actually been overwhelmed with how much they've impacted me. Uh, some of these podcasts are on leadership, uh, spirituality, sociology, interviews with different celebrities or well-known individuals. Uh, one, pot, one podcast in particular has been so good for my soul. I, it's as if I'm literally having kind of a sort of spiritual awakening by listening to the podcast. It's forcing me to connect the dots and become aware of everything that's spiritual around me. Uh, this one is called The Robcast. That's the one that's really been uh, impacting me. So I, I highly recommend that to you, The Robcast. It's by Rob Bell. But uh, have you ever had those moments when uh, when you hear a podcast or and then all of a sudden the ideas that come up in the podcast come up in a dinner conversation, which then relate to a news story you see online, which then connects to something you read in a book a few weeks ago, which reminds you of a prayer you once used to pray, which then brings you back to the initial idea. And maybe, just maybe, uh, this podcast will do something similar. And maybe, just maybe, it's gonna, it'll start a spark and, and, and begin a connection to something else. That's what I hope uh, this podcast will become, because that's what many podcasts have been for me. I also listen to podcasts at 1.5 the speed so I can get through them really, really quickly. I, I find it absolutely exhilarating, uh, and I, I can actually retain information much easier at that speed. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she thinks um, they sound too much like chipmunks at that pace. It stresses her out. She says it hurts her brain uh, to do that. So uh, if you decide to listen to this podcast at a quicker speed, let me know. Let me know if I sound like a chipmunk, and uh, yeah, we'll be fine. But after being impacted by these podcasts and my love of blogging, I thought, well, what if, what if I started a podcast? I mean, in some ways, it's going to be like being a talk show host. And being a talk show host has always been on my list of jobs I'd like to have someday list. There, this list also includes, well, includes all sorts of things. A toll booth operator, a glass blower, an archaeologist, an architect for tiny homes. I want to be a Freemason for a day because I think it's so mysterious and there's probably some scandal going on there. Uh, I want to be a Secret Service agent on a day when I wouldn't have to take a bullet for the president. That's simply because I'm not that courageous. Uh, but podcast host, TV host, talk show host, 
is on that list as well. So again, I'm, I'm super excited for this podcast. Let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to do and then why we're going to do it. The why behind the what is going to look at unique passions and affinities of my friends and colleagues and mentors and incredibly famous people. That's my dream. Uh, but some of the people I'll be interviewing are phenomenal. And some of them, well, they don't even know I'm going to interview you at them yet. But I have my list, and I'm going to get them on this show. But in the coming months, you're going to hear from Broadway performers, uh, individuals who are working to stop human, human trafficking, uh, reporters and newscasters, spiritual directors, coffee shop owners, artists, spiritual leaders, and, and many more, hopefully. And, and not only do I want to learn what these people do, but I want to learn why they do what they do. So in some way, I want to humanize the abstract. I want to put flesh and blood uh, to some abstract ideas. I want to expose the diversity of humanity and open up the passion within people's souls. When I was performing as a professional actor and singer, uh, most of the people I met with, uh, most of the people I lived with, most of the people I socialized with, with, they were all actors. We were singers. We were performers. We all had similar loves, similar interests, similar passions. And what that did was that connected us so quickly. I mean, we, I bonded with those, with those friends like, like I've rarely done with many other people. And although we were this incredibly diverse group of people, uh, I loved them dearly, and we, we shared the same passion, a passion to perform, to create art, to bring a character to life, to, to fill an, audience, an auditorium with, uh, with our voices and our art form. And well, when I moved out of that world, I started to meet individuals who had careers that weren't acting. Uh, they had different passions. They had unique careers, and I was doing life with these people. Now, this became a little. This was a little odd to me because I thought everyone was comfortable breaking out in song or dance or, you know, anytime, any place, just start singing a musical. Or everyone was emotional and dramatic. Uh, everyone viewed the Tony Awards as the biggest event of the year. Uh, little did I know that some people don't even know what that is. It's it's awful. Uh, or we all knew that like Tay Diggs was the most beautiful human in the world, right? But as a pastor now, I've begun to meet people from every area of life, architects and teachers and office managers and reporters and engineers and lawyers and more. And the more I learned what they did, the more I wanted to learn the reason behind what they did. So lately I've been thinking about the question we often ask someone when we first meet them. Uh, when we meet someone new, we often say, so uh, t tell me, what do you do? And in some sense, what we've done by asking this question, what you do, uh, we've connected what a person does with who a person is. And sometimes what a person does, well, does relate to who someone is. I mean, this isn't the case all around, but, but this is often the case. And for many of us, though, uh, we don't take our identity or, or don't want to take the identity from what we do. Often, who we are influences what we do. And so I've been thinking perhaps a better question than what do you do might be something like, well, what are you passionate about? Tell me, what are your interests lately? Or simply, so why do you do what you do? What's the passion that drives you to do what you do? What, what's the catalyst for you to do what you do? Because for some people, you'll learn the struggle that some people go through, that, that they actually don't love what they're doing. They don't want to do what they do. Maybe you'll hear their pain or their struggle or their doubt, and they do what they do because, well, because they have to, because they have to make ends meet. They have to survive, not because they necessarily want to. And what's great about this is this still opens up their deep desires for their future and their love. On the other hand, 
You might learn a deep passion or a strong love or a great excitement leads someone to do what they do. Or perhaps it was happenstance. I mean, they literally got lucky, uh, a door opened up, and that changed the course of their life. So the what might spark a conversation, but the why opens up one's soul. The what might spark a conversation, but the why opens up one's soul. And this is what this podcast is all about. It's about starting a conversation in hopes of opening up our souls. It's, it's getting to the motivations and the catalyst behind the action. It's the passion and the affinity behind the hobby or career. It's the soul within the person, the why behind the what. Now, as a funny example, uh, the what, here we go. I got kicked in the face with a tap shoe once. Uh, and that makes for an interesting story, right? Could start a good conversation. And I tell you what, the what, well, the what hurt. Uh, but the why is I was performing a show in Arizona called The F- uh, Funny Girl. I was goofing around backstage with a friend. We had this kind of routine that after our curtain call, we'd run back behind stage and we and we'd do just some crazy dancing uh, to the pit as they finished up their song. Uh, and each night we just would go crazy. So one night um, I decided um, to do a different dance backstage. And for whatever reason, I decided to do a cartwheel. Now, my friend, Eddie, uh, he decided on the same night to do a different type of dance and to do a running leap. And so right when I went down um, face first to do my cartwheel, my friend, Eddie, started his running leap by kicking his leg in the air. And his tap shoe uh, like totally clobbered me right in the eyeball. I saw a big flash of light. The next thing I knew, there was like liquid all over my face. I thought I was bleeding profusely. I covered up my eye. I literally thought my eyeball was hanging out of my socket. That was my first question to to them. I was like, tell me, tell me the truth. Be honest with me. Is my eyeball hanging out of my socket? Um, So it was brutal. So I then went to the emergency room, had a pretty swollen black eye. My eye was swollen shut for the next couple days. And I had to perform the next couple days uh, with with a swollen eye from being kicked in the face with a tap shoe. It's funny, um, also at this time, for this role, I had to have a mustache for the show. So here I was, like a 25-year-old kid uh, with a mustache. And this was way before mustaches were popular by, or popularized by hipsters. So it was, a, it was a rough time. But let me give you a better example uh, from both my acting and my preaching career. Now, as an actor, I loved performing. I mean, there's nothing like the rush of being on stage, of making an audience laugh, uh, making them cry, um, hearing their applause, uh, taking your bow at the end of uh, two hours of just pouring out these emotions and this music. It's wonderful. But the real reason I loved acting, actually, was the rehearsal. Because this is where the real stuff happened. This is where the creation happened and the true acting would occur. And so I'd take written word and you'd memorize it and and you'd take a script and you'd internalize it and you'd bring it to life and you'd emote those words. And sometimes in a rehearsal, you would perform more authentically, more real than you ever would in a performance. And it was so fun to create and bring uh, these words to life. When I was in Tennessee, I was performing the show called Twelfth Night, and I was in the back of the theater um, going over my lines and memorizing them, and uh, as the rest of the cast, they were uh, working on a scene on stage. And there's a character in the show that uh, does a monologue about losing her brother, um, uh, losing her brother in a, in a shipwreck, and uh, assuming that, that he had died uh, 
in the waters. And she breaks out, uh, this actress breaks out into this monologue. Now, I heard this monologue over and over and over. I mean, we've been working on the scene for an hour or two. So I heard it numerous times, heard it numerous times as we rehearsed. But all of a sudden, something happened. There was like a change in her voice. I don't even know how to describe it. There's a change in her voice. And I looked up from my script. And here she was. She fell to her knees. And she started absolutely weeping as she talked about her brother dying in a shipwreck. And at the end of this monologue, she just kind of keels over and basically is on all fours just, and just cries. And all of us are watching this scene. And the director at the, at the end uh, finally said, hey, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, I just really got into that scene. Now that never happened in a performance ever again. It, it never happened before a live audience, but that was some of the most real, authentic, just a beautiful monologue, but it never happened in a performance. It's similar to like a painting in a gallery. The artist gets the most joy when she's painting, not while it's hung up in a gallery. When it's in a gallery, it, it's for someone else to enjoy. It's for another viewer. And so it, when it's a performance, it's, it's for the audience to enjoy, the actor gets the joy in creating the performance in that rehearsal. There's something similar for me with, with preaching. As a preacher, I take written word and I memorize it and I play with it and I study it and I read scholars and I, I connect the dots and I emote it and I bring these words to life. And the process of creating a, a sermon, I see it as an art form. And to me, it's, it's pure joy. It's during this time where I can literally, I literally cry over the beauty found in some ancient scriptures. It's where I'm aware of my own, my own humanity, my need for the divine. Uh, it's, it's where I see the sacred among everything. And now on a Sunday, there, there's no doubt there's this rush of excitement and energy when you get to get your preach on. It's awesome. But what's so amazing about preaching, though, is that once you deliver the sermon, it's for the people listening. And the foolishness of preaching is that somehow people hear different things and words that touch their individual souls. Has this ever happened to you? Uh, like you've listened to a sermon or a podcast or you heard a speech and is it, it was as if that person was speaking directly to you. And you're looking around like, does, does this person know everything that's in my heart right now? I, I was in a church in Oklahoma uh, traveling through when I was acting, and I totally felt a sermon was directed to me. I mean, uh, I'm sitting there with probably a thousand other people, and the preacher is talking, uh, and it's as if it's as if he was speaking directly to me, and he was totally encouraging me. Uh, it was this push for me to enter seminary and to be a pastor, and that actually sermon was the beginning of a of a shift in my life and my career. And so every time I preach, I think, well, who am I that I get to do this beautiful thing? Every time I performed, I would say, who am I that I get to do this beautiful thing? So now with a podcast, it's my hope that I can say, oh, who am I that I get to do this beautiful thing? Here's my plan in the coming months. Uh, I want to introduce you to some of my favorite people who are passionate about what they do. And I'm going to ask them some simple questions. What do you do? And why do you do what you do? And then we're going to let the conversation go from there. In the coming weeks, I'm going to dedicate also a couple episodes to talking through my book, as well as doing some interviews with people whose stories actually appear in the book. And then if you have someone you think would be great for this podcast or someone you think I should interview, contact me. Let me know because I've got a long list already and I want to meet and interview more people. So send those my way. 
And then every so often, I'm going to do a solo podcast to discuss different topics, uh, share some stories, and hopefully remind us of the divine. So if you can, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, rate it, write a review. Uh, Would you do me a favor? Can you share it on social media? That would be a huge help and uh, would love it if you did that. So stay tuned for my book, Embracing Love, My Journey to Hugging a Man in His Underwear. You can learn more about that and all of this at NathanAlbert.com, or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So here's to a brand new podcast and all of you who have chosen to listen. Here's to getting to know people as we humanize the abstract. Here's to sparking a conversation and opening up one's soul. And here's to the why behind the what. Cheers. Cheers.